Welcome to Seamless Tactics, where we share leadership insights through storytelling, featuring interviews with local leaders and professionals weaving in their career journey and leadership style. I'm Wen Tan. Today we'll be talking about having fun and being present at work with Matthew Wagner, Executive Director of Family Promise of Harrisburg Capital Region. He is going to be sharing tips about work-life balance as he transitioned from an individual contributor role to a leadership role. This episode was brought to you by Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Credit. Their mission is to be a catalyst for dynamic job creation that seeks to improve economic growth, mobility, and vitality while enhancing the quality of life in our region, Cumberland, Dauphin, and Perry counties. This organization is the only Chamber of Commerce in Cumberland, Dauphin, and Perry counties to receive the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's five-star accreditation, a level achieved by only 5% of chambers across the nation. Becoming a member will help boost your organization's success in terms of your bottom line, marketing strategy, business development, and talent recruitment. Welcome to Seamless Tactics. I'm your host, Wayne Tan. Today, we're, we have the privilege of being with Matt Wagner, Executive Director of Family Promise, Harrisburg Capital Region. So, Matt, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks. So we're here at your office at 56 Erfurt Road. We yeah. have your banner here to really showcase what you do. Um, for those that aren't on YouTube and you're listening through audio, um, a lot of this information will be shared through these show notes. Yeah, great. Appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So uh, could you mind just sharing with the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, share a little bit about Family Promise. Yeah, and... so I've been the executive director for Family Promise for about two and a half years now. Okay. Uh, but I've been involved professionally with nonprofit work for over a dozen years now. And wow. uh, always on the kind of administrative communication side of it. That's my background, my degrees in communication studies. Uh, so always important to be able to share the stories of your of the people that you're serving and how you're making a difference in the in the community and that kind of thing um, so that's always been my my bailiwick this is the first job that i've had that is is kind of a leadership position um, in the past i've always been more of the behind the scenes guy but decided to take the plunge and become the executive director as i said to somebody over the weekend that just means that i take all the blame and give everybody else all the credit so, <laughs> but a um, little bit about family promise so we're one of about 200 affiliates across the country okay. but each affiliate is independent we each have our own board of directors or each responsible for our own fundraising and all that kind of thing and the great thing about that is every affiliate kind of adapts its programming to the needs in their community. So we really serve our, our community in three different ways with a focus on uh, serving families with children who are experiencing homelessness or who are at risk for being homeless. So we have our Interfaith Hospitality Network, which is uh, a shelter program for families who are experiencing homelessness, making sure that they have a safe, secure place to stay while they're, while they're getting back on their feet. Uh, we also have a series of programming that we refer to as our UP programs, which are more prevention services, trying to keep people out of shelter if we can. Um, so we help people with things like paying for back rent, paying for vehicle repairs, um, even some of the trauma associated with, the, with homelessness, uh, trying to make sure that we're 
if we can keep them in the homes that they in the homes that they have uh, and then beyond that about three years ago now a little less than three years we partnered with United Way of the Capital Region and their Road to Success program so that's a program that um, helps folks get jobs that pay a family sustaining wage so looking at some of those barriers like the cost of child care transportation those kind of things helping with with those things so uh, we can even help families not need the prevention services and the less the, the shelter services kind of all the all the levels so to speak we, we're serving about 100 to 150 folks on a monthly basis through through those programs wow so when we talk about homelessness i, I never thought about the other side of it mm -hmm. you know i think about homelessness as literally without a home sure right but there seems to be like other aspects of it such as the prevention services how right. do you stay out of it but then i think you also kind of talk to it um you know what are some other myths about homelessness that like you would like to share with others that <laughs> like for me being new to this mm -hmm. type of um community as well as I mean, just that state within Harrisburg itself. Right. Like, what are some like interesting things that like you would like to share with folks? Yeah. So I think one thing that people don't necessarily think about when you know, well, you tell me. I'll ask you a question. Okay. What is the wh when you think of somebody who's homeless? What is the what is the image that comes into your head? So, Putting you on the spot. Here. Hey, I know this is supposed to be an interview for you, right? Um, oh, and you, hey, you, <laughs> and you, you have the power of the edit, so. <laughs> So when I think about homelessness, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is downtown Harrisburg. Sure. So, you know, right where the M&T Bank is, mm -hmm. um, that strip where the bus stops yeah. are. I also think about where we have the train station. So mm -hmm. I think about that area. So yeah. that's the first thing that comes to my mind is it's literally without a home. Um, the second thing that comes to my mind is then those that have children, mm -hmm. right? So those that have children, young or teenagers that um, they would typically be at shelter. So the next thing I think about is education. So if you aren't, if you don't have accessibility to a house, well then how do the kids yeah. do homework, um, get help, yeah. get to school? Um, I, then I think probably like the third aspect of it is then um, job, right? right? How can somebody without an address be able to apply on a job mm -hmm. application when you need so many things i sure. think like those are the three primary topics that comes to my mind <laughs> well you're th you're thinking of a lot deeper than most people do most people when they think of somebody of somebody who's homeless they're thinking of you know the guy on the corner yep. by m t bank with with the sign yep right um and certainly there are those that fit that description yep. but there's a lot of people who are homeless that are uh staying in hotels Okay. There are people who are homeless who are living out of their cars, people who are homeless who are staying with family or friends, couch surfing, so to yep. speak. Uh, and one of the challenges that that a lot of people don't think about, you mentioned kids, um, is the, the family dynamic to it. So most shelters are either for men or for women and children. Okay. And that's typically the line of the delineation there is typically the age of 14. Oh, wow. So if you were male over the age of 14, you you typically have to be at the men's shelter. And the women and, and children under the age of 14 are going to be at a women's shelter. So 
um, listen, you know, think about a single mom with a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old son. A 14-year-old is going to be in one part of town. You're going to be in another part of town with your, with your other child. Wow. People don't think about that kind of stuff. No. But, and that's not a criticism of the system in any way. There are reasons that it's set up that way. But we felt like it was important to give families an opportunity to stay together while they're going through that. Um, and that's why we, we designed our interfaith hospitality network, which is a network of churches and organizations that give them a place to sleep for the night. And they spend their, their day here at our day center working, working on their goals. Um, I think the other perception um, that I hear quite often is, oh, the homeless people are, you know, either they're on drugs or they're lazy or whatever the case may be, right? And certainly there's a lot of uh, drug use and, al and alcohol. You could you could make a, an argument of which came first, chicken or the egg, but regardless, the fact is there are plenty of homeless people who just have fallen on, down on their luck. They, they, you know, somebody got sick, they had to stay home with them. That means they lost their job. Um, we've had families that, um, through no fault of their home, their own, the apartment that they were renting gets condemned. Um, we had a, a mom two years ago now that um, the, the guy that she was staying with decided to get another girlfriend or get a yeah get another girlfriend and kicked her and her, her her son out no nothing that they did necessarily but they just found themselves in in that situation and i always say you know there but for the grace of god go i right um we've most of us have been that in that situation where you're one paycheck away from being on the street and um it's easy to happen the other part is you know, why you know why don't these people get jobs it's not all that easy you know i i remember a couple of years ago my son was starting to work and it took us two and a half months to get him a new copy of his social security card we have all the resources in the world we have access to email to computers to printers to all of that stuff it just takes time um, imagine you don't have access to all of those things um, because you're homeless but you need that documentation to work um, there's a lot of things that go into why somebody's homeless and how somebody can get out of being homeless so um, that's part of our job when they uh, when we when we're sitting down with somebody is identifying what exactly their situation is and how do we get them to the point they have what they need to not only get into a permanent home but then maintain it because those are two different things wow. <laughs> so 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 there's absolutely a lot more things to this absolutely um, so with so I have two questions then. So one question would then be for those that are interested in learning more about this um, epidemic, I would call it. Sure. Like how could somebody learn more about it? So that's the first question. And then the second question would then be for those that are looking to volunteer, those that are looking for a cause to support and like remedy and yeah. then better the community, like how can somebody in the audience help Family Promise or just the situation? 
I'll give you the same answer for both of them, www.familypromisehcr.org. Okay. <laughs> We've got plenty of information on there about um, some of the statistics around homelessness, the fact that this area is the second most competitive rental market in the country. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. Second most competitive rental market in the country. It's Miami, Florida, and Central Pennsylvania. So um, we have that kind of information on there. You can also go on there if you uh, would like to, to volunteer. There's a place to sign up for that, sign up for a newsletter. You can always donate. Um, and you know, just look around and, and educate yourself. Um, reach out to us. We're happy to come speak to any of your any of the organizations that you're involved with. Uh, I'm a I love coming out and talking about these issues and um, kind of educating people about what it's all about. So, Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, so I'll make sure in the show notes for those that are listening, um, I'll put down the address, as uh, the email, uh, not the email address, but the, uh, the website, website yep. to, to Family Promise, and then I'll make sure that I'll put in your LinkedIn profile. Perfect. So those that want to connect and chat more about that opportunity, Good. make sure that love it's it. there available for everyone. Um so when we're talking about homelessness, I think you kind of talked about like this is uh, your sec- two and a half years in this current role. Yeah. Um, you've, you've worked in other nonprofits. So can you just share with me like how you're like, I think there's like two aspects, right? One is that you said you were more behind the scenes and mm-hmm. now you're more of like <laughs> client facing, more of the face of the organization. Yeah. So can you just share with me how your leadership style may have changed from being behind the scenes to now yeah. in this leadership position, managing people? It's been interesting. Um, I think there's, there's the biggest lesson that I learned over, it took me a little bit because I'm dense, but <laughs> <laughs> it took me a little bit to figure it out is, you know, when I, you know, when I was just the communication guy or just the okay. fundraising guy, I'd come up with an idea and I'd be like, oh, I think it'd be, you know, neat if we did this. And, you know, I had to, get approval for that. Um, I had to bounce that idea off of my executive director or our fundraising committee or whatever the case may be. Um, so there's a check and balance there. Okay. Um, I remember it was maybe six months into the, uh, when I started and we're in a staff meeting and I said, you know, it'd be, it'd be really nice you know, if we went to a weekly newsletter instead of monthly. Okay. And and it was just kind of a thought. Maybe we should think. In my head, I'm saying we should think about this. And the next thing I know, staff is planning the next, you know, six weeks of newsletters. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, let's take a step back. This is me. I think. so. I've learned now that I have to a watch my ideas, but okay. b preface it with, hey guys, what do you think about doing this? Um, so I think that's one of the things. Um, the The other thing is just the, and this is something I'm still working on, quite frankly, is the whole work-life balance, right? You know, um, this job can consume you very easily. Um, and it's, you know, there's obviously a lot of work hours, but it's even beyond that, making sure that when I'm at home with my family, I'm present with them, and uh, not thinking about my 
board meeting next week or you know this event coming up or whatever the case may be so making sure that I'm separating work life and, and personal life I think those are the two biggest things that I've, I've I'm learning <laughs> well I'll never say I've learned it but I'm learning <laughs> I would say like work-life balance is something that every young experienced professional is, is is always a hot topic sure right and i know for me um balance is like okay 50 percent, 50 percent um but what i've realized is more like a lever yeah right it's more of a lever that like sometimes work is is a lot that i need to make it 70 and then like personal yeah. is like 30 but then i have to balance it with then like a significant other other schedules is then say like can they adjust their lever right right yeah. um because it's not just work and life, right? And there may be a significant other, there may be kids, right? <laughs> there may be the car that if uh, I was sharing, like for me it was a car, right? Because mm. at one during the pandemic, I downsized, and then like it was managing three people's schedule, right? Yep. My schedule, my wife's schedule, the kids' schedule, and then the car schedule because it was a crazy week when it had to get inspected. Uh, <laughs> we realized that something had to be fixed. Yeah. So we didn't have a car, so. Yep. Uh, that's at least my personal experience, but for sure. you, um, how have you adjusted your work-life balance as you are in your current world? I know yeah. you're still learning, but right. what are some tips that you could share with others? Well, I think the first thing to your point is that you have to recognize that there are going to be ebbs and flows, right? Yep. The, the week before we have our fundraising event, um, I can't, my, my family knows I can't commit to much that week. Um, I'm going to be working 10, 12 hour days that week. Now, I'll, you know, the week after, or maybe the week after that, <laughs> after things have settled a little bit, I'll take some extra time and be home and, and that kind of thing. Um, so it's a balance, but it's not, it, it ebbs and flows to your point. It, um, making sure that, uh, you're there for your family. And and I think the biggest thing, like I said, is just being present. You know, when you're in the, when you're, you're driving your kid to scouts, thinking of, you know, thinking about him and what's going on in his life and not thinking about this meeting coming up or what, what I have to do at work next week or that kind of thing, giving them the same energy that I give that I give my employees and I give the families that we serve when I'm here. So it sounds like what you do is like kind of like two two things, right? One is communication. Yeah. Right? Communication with your family. That's like expectations like this. this is a busy week, right? Like I can't yeah. commit much. And then it really seems like the focus for you when we're talking about presence is you think about a specific person. Yeah. Right. You think about them, what they need. Versus like, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I hear that a lot from folks, but for you specifically, you focus either on your son, right? Or you will focus on your wife. I think that's very, yeah. that's a very different thing I've never heard before. So that's, that's different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, just circling back to one of the things that you said that now that you're the executive director, your voice has more weights, right? Has more <laughs> merit. So like you may have accidentally added more work to your team to do a weekly newsletter versus yeah. a monthly newsletter. So um, 
I think you gave some tips about, hey, now I am a little bit more open. I ask more open-ended questions. Like, yeah. well, hey, what are your, what are your feedback? Um, what are some other like techniques that you've learned as the executive director that you're now leading a team? So how do you ask those open feedback so you know that your team is aware you're looking for feedback? You're not looking, you, 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 you want people that, you don't want yes people. Right. right. So how do you have a yeah. culture of just not having yes people, but then having people who will give you other options or just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's how do you develop that culture? Sure. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things. Um, I always say that we have to take what we do seriously because it's serious work, but we can't take ourselves seriously. Okay. We joke around with each other all the time. Um, I've come into my office and have it have, you know, all kind, you know, I don't want to say trash, but, you know, they have their fun in my office. Um, yep. They'll move stuff around on me or, you know, okay. we'll, we'll play jokes on each other um, because you have to. At the end of the day, you, ha you have to enjoy where you work and you have to have fun. So creating that that atmosphere. Um I think at the same time, uh, you know, making sure we all understand that it's okay to disagree behind closed doors, but when the door opens and we go out, we're a united front. You might not agree 100% with the decision, but I expect you to be 100% behind it when we go out the door. You can fight tooth and nail while we're, in, while we're in here, but then when we go out, the decision that we've come to is the decision of the group and that's what we're going to do moving forward um so creating that um and i think just giving every one of my staff members the space to make the decisions that they need to make um i'm not a social worker you wouldn't want me uh, being the case manager for your pet rock right <laughs> um so when it comes to some of those social work challenges questions i have you know i defer to my staff that have experience and expertise in those areas um ultimately the decision is mine but they know that i'm going to ask them what they think and expect them to give me an honest answer um and it's rare that I'll say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'm, we're going this way instead. Um, there's a reason that I pay them and, and um, I respect the heck out of them. I could never do what they do um, and vice versa. So it's, it's just a, a matter of mutual respect almost at the end of the day um, between us as far as that goes. Yeah, it sounds like there's respect. There's trust, right? I think the emphasis is that when we bring our ideas, it's always an individual idea. Right. When we are moving forward, we move, move forward as a team. So right. we become individual contributors to then team members. Yeah. Right. So it's that shift in mentality. And I and I absolutely agree with you. Right. So sometimes we always get the interviews like, hey, you have an idea. How do you fight for it? And then like, what do you do afterwards if they don't agree? Right. So I think at the end of the day is that we take our work seriously. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a very, I think that's a great way to develop that culture. And then also having pranks on your executive director, 
<laughs> I would say that also helps. So, you know, just I, now I'm curious, right? So out of curiosity, what's the funniest prank that your team has done to you? Or it could be so, multiple. Yeah. What's your favorite? Well, I guess it shouldn't be your favorite, but like. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a running joke in our office. I like my office cold. Okay. Um, my program manager, my case manager, my outreach coordinator, they're uh, they're much more warm blooded. <laughs> so I will walk into you know I refer to the case my I refer to their office as the sauna. Okay. And they refer to my office as the ice box. Okay. So there was one morning that both my program manager and my outreach coordinator came in and they were dressed in parkas and coats. This is like in August. Parkas and coats and, and everything else reporting for work for the day. <laughs> so some of that kind of stuff that we just, um, yeah, we have to have fun, you know. I think what you need as a decoration in here is going to be a penguin. Is there, is there a pe the pen, uh, the Pittsburgh penguins don't count? Um, well, <laughs> sure they do. Yes. Okay. So I stand corrected. There are penguins in this office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't move the video, but there are penguins here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you know, as we're kind of you know, thank you for sharing about what family promises touching yeah. on the homelessness um, ep epidemic that we have here in Harrisburg as well as like sharing your leadership style so you know as we're coming to the close of this uh, episode like are there any key takeaways that you would like to share with our audience then about leadership yeah so I think um, for me leadership at the end of the day is all about taking care of the people that you're leading it's not about telling them what to do. It's about taking care of them and making sure that they have what they need to succeed. Um, whether that's um, t you know, emotionally taking care of what, what, what they need, whether that's you know, obviously providing them with the equipment that they need and, and those kind of things, um, but just being there for them. You know, I say all the time, family promise, the first, the first word is family. We're a family here. Um, I am not beyond suspending my staff with pay if I think you know, they're you know they're having a rough day and they need a they need a break. I'll send them home. Um, we're we're working with folks often at the worst time in their life, and sometimes they take that out on us. And when um, that happens, I I need to be able to give them the space to to walk to get away from that. Um, so taking care of my staff, I think is, um, incredibly, incredibly important. Um, the other thing I would say is making sure that you're out there sharing your vision and telling your story. The chamber uh, has been great for that. Um, telling people about who we are and, and what we do. I say when I started here, we were the best kept secret in town. Um, and over the last two and a half years now, um, you know, going to chamber events and networking and all of those kind of things has, has given us a great opportunity to share the stories of the families that we serve and really raise awareness about who we are and what we do to the point now where when I say the name Family Promise, uh, somebody, they'll go, yeah, I, I've heard that 
before somewhere. Like, they might not know where, but they've heard our name before. So we've come a long way in that. Um, and for every leader, I think that's incredibly important is just um, having that vision and sharing it. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think those are all great takeaways and hopefully the audience you know, will reach out to you, learn a little bit more about Family Promise yeah, or, or connect with you um, so they can share your story and your organization's mission with their um, with others. So yeah. thanks for sharing awesome. that. Um, so here comes the fun part of the uh, episode, which is the <laughs> rapid fire questions. So, okay. Uh, so there's three questions. Um, so one is, uh, who's your favorite leader? So I would say George Washington. George Washington. Okay. All right. So I don't think anyone has given me a historical. Okay. Historical. Let me uh, tell you, let me share okay. why. All right. George Washington had every opportunity to turn this country into another into another monarchy. Okay. When he became president, he could have been president for life. Okay. He came into office and served his his two terms, and then he stepped away. Never happened. In our in world's history, as far as I know, where somebody's taken leadership of a country and willingly stepped down, um, and that to me is what servant leadership is is all about. At the end of the day, it's about doing the best thing for the organization, whoever it is that you're, that you're leading. Yeah, and the key distinction is like not not delegating once you step down to another family right. member, right? So yeah. it's through that democratic process of nomination, voting, right. and then... Absolutely. Yeah, so, no, that's... Okay, so I, thank you for sharing that. Again, <laughs> I've never had, like, a historical member that uh, someone referenced to. So, um, you know, the next question I would have is then, like, what's your favorite leadership quote then? Yep, and I have to pull out my cheat sheet for this, but okay. this is Simon Sinek. Okay. Um, he says, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. Really ties back to your key takeaway, right? <laughs> about taking care of your team. Yep, um, also back to that, making sure that work is fun, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> right? Um, no, that's great. I, I love that quote. Uh, it's, that's so true, right? It's not about me, right. right? It's about them. I think that's really one big thing as people, like as you take responsibility over other people, right or a team or a strategy right you can't drive it all right like you will need a team right um you can't be superman all the time <laughs> well and as a leader you have to know what you're good at and what you're not yeah and you know you then have to find the people who will fill in those things that you're not good at and give them the opportunity to do that no absolutely absolutely um no and of course, there's not a really good segue to then the last question, especially from a serious <laughs> question to then now a fun, fun part. Um, so the last question I have is then in Central PA, what's your favorite thing to do? So, you know, so much, this is such a rich community when it comes to um, activities and, okay. and things to do and places to, to go. I would say for me, um, it's, it's getting out in in nature getting out to some of the state parks in the area um if i you know if i could have an afternoon off and put my bobber in the water and just chill that's ideal <laughs> right on i think i think that's uh we're three for three now there you go i think we're three for three so um i believe that mark and carmina both said the same thing okay yes great so um maybe we'll keep the streak alive yeah. i, I did 
for those that are listening, I did not tell them that, like what the <laughs> other people said. So, um, yeah, three for three. People are said the outdoor, the wilderness. Yeah. So, um, well, Matt, thank you again for, for having me here. Thank Appreciate you for taking the, the time. Um, it was great to learn more about you. And also family promise. So thank you again. No, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Matt Wagner for joining us for that fun conversation. As he mentioned, it is important to take your work seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. This helped him build a sustainable culture of fun, accountability, and most importantly, work-life balance. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on a streaming platform you're listening to us on. Until then, this is Wen Tan. And don't forget, we're here to highlight local leaders making an impact in our community and shared leadership insights through storytelling. This podcast was recorded, produced, and edited by Wen Tan. This episode was brought to you by Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Credic. Seamless Tactics is a product of tailor-made solutions. Special thanks to Family Promise of Harrisburg Capital Region. Hope you join us in our next show.